Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I will see kids that will go off to college that for the first time have some sort of independence or autonomy, and they haven't worked that muscle at all. Lots of times parents are actually kind of surprised at how incapable their child is at making decisions for themselves. Or the child goes off to college and gets a taste of autonomy for the first time, but again, has not worked that muscle, and they go off the rails. You know, I use this analogy all the time, but if you want to live by the water, you got to teach your kids how to swim. We've got to work that muscle as early as possible so they know how to do that in a healthy way. Welcome to Fluster Clucks with Lynn Lyons, where we talk about worry and other big feelings in parenting. I'm your co-host, Robin. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law, and I'm here to ask your questions. And I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker, mom, and author, and I've been a therapist for over 30 years. Parenting can be a Fluster Clucks, and I'm here to help you find your way. I'm excited that we're going to unpack this magical list that is really one of the core principles of your approach to helping prevent and manage mental health disorders in children. Yep. The list is autonomy, and that's a big one these days, and we can talk about that a lot more, which we will. We want to increase flexibility. Rigidity is a problem. Flexibility, flexibility. And then problem solving. How do we make sure that we're giving kids the ability to problem solve when bad things happen? So the reason I like this list is because it's the opposite of what we see in kids that are raised in anxious environments. So this list says we've got to give your children skills in order to be preventative. And this list also says bad things are going to happen. Unexpected things are going to be happening to your child. So let's make sure we know how to deal with life rather than protect them from life. And the list is really based on the fact that the research shows over and over and over again that lack of autonomy, lack of problem solving, rigid thinking, those are the things that become risk factors for kids for developing anxiety and depression as they move through their lives. So let's take the next three episodes of Fluster Clocks and break down each one of these. Okay. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, let's start with autonomy. Yeah, very relevant after our COVID year. Yeah, so we're going to start with autonomy because I don't know if I would say it's the most important, but it is certainly really relevant right now for a lot of reasons of what I'm hearing and the idea that we have to let our kids go after this year that we had where we had them so close. So autonomy, autonomy is at the top of the list because of where we are right now. I just like to say also, I have been thinking about this list of yours for years because you told me years ago. Mm -hmm. Autonomy is actually, I think, the tricky one because you think you know what it means. And I think that there's just a lot more to it than simplifying it. I think flexibility and problem solving are pretty straightforward, but I'm, I'm really eager to talk about autonomy today. Let me just start off by saying that 
parental control, when we look at kind of the fast track into anxiety disorders for kids, parental control comes up over and over and over again in the research. Right. And then parental control, everyone's already picturing what they think that means. Yes. Mm -hmm. So tell us what that means. So parental control doesn't mean that you are bossing your kid around all the time. I mean, it certainly can mean that, but it means that the way that you let your child know, sometimes directly and sometimes more subtly, that they have to do things, they have to meet your expectations, they have to follow the plan that you put forth. And it just means that you're restricting their ability to experiment, to step out into the world. And sometimes it even means that you're restricting their ability to feel things that make you feel uncomfortable. So that, this little subset of parental control is referred to as parental experiential avoidance, which I think I've talked about before. But that's just this idea that you don't want your child to feel things because it makes you feel uncomfortable. So you're stepping in. So the control isn't, oh, you have to wear your hair this way, or you have to play this sport, or you have to get all A's, which is also parental control. But it's also just emotional control because you feel uncomfortable with the big feelings that your child is experiencing. And it also means not letting your child have opinions that are different than your own. And that's something that's really important, particularly as kids start to get older. Like if you've got a kid that's entering middle school, if you've got a fifth grader, sixth grader, seventh grader, opinions and allowing them to express themselves is a really important part of autonomy. Okay. I want to stop you because everything you said, I could imagine an outline of different things underneath all of these big points. So here's, here's how I think would be an interesting exercise for you to help the rest of us get it really well. Okay. We're at a restaurant. Okay. Mm-hmm. A family is at a restaurant and there are two children. Tell us what the family with anxiety and autonomy issues does in the restaurant, contrasting it to a family with children who have developed a greater sense of autonomy. Compare the two experiences. Okay. This is why I don't like to go to restaurants anymore, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll play along. Uh, okay. So the family with anxiety issues with ha- that has a difficulty with autonomy, they have wanted to make sure that they go to a restaurant that's predictable. The parent that has difficulty with autonomy doesn't let their child order off the menu or more subtly looks at the menu with their child and says, well, I don't think you really like that. Or why don't we go with this? Because I know that you'll eat this. Or I'm going to order for you. And maybe they don't even say that. But then the waitress comes up and says, what would you like? And the child says, I would like the blah, blah, blah. And the parent says, wait, no, 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 no. I don't think that's a good idea. Let's do this. Let's do that. There's this stepping in consistently that says, let me make this decision for you. And I'm a little bit afraid for you to try something that you've never had before. So they might ask the question like, well, how do you know you like that? Well, do you know that you like that? Well, what if you order that and you don't like that? So that might be the subtle way that it'll show up. And then in more dramatic ways, it's the child doesn't even get to order or 
the parent is instructing the whole time saying, okay, so I need you to do this. So go ahead and do this. People will remember from a previous episode, the story I told about hiking behind the dad that was just doing a running commentary of what his child needed to pay attention to on the hike without giving them any space. So instead of stepping in very quickly and offering your opinion and offering your advice or making sure that you're going the safe route or the sure route, give space. Let your child look at the menu. And you might even say, so this would be the opposite. The parent says, okay, so look at the menu and let me know if you need any help. Or look at the menu and let me know if you have any questions. Just like the waiter Here's the menu. Here are the specials. Let me know if you have any questions. So the way to think about autonomy is, are you making room for your child to think about things, to try things, to experiment with something? Or are you stepping in to tell them what you know they should do? It's sort of like the, I know best. That's one of the ways we pay attention to a lack of autonomy is a parent saying, I know better than you know about you. That would be what I would see. Man, see, this gets me right to the core. Yeah? Yeah, because, I mean, I'm obviously thinking of my own family and my own parenting here. I'm going to voice the pushback many parents listening to you right now would give you. Okay. And maybe I'm wrong. There is a point where it's practical to let go Mm -hmm. and impractical to allow them their autonomy to order, for example. Right. There's a different age and a different response. Yes, of course. So I think that that's one of the things. And you're not saying that a three-year-old gets to choose without any sort of feedback. Right. I mean, it really is age-dependent, right? And we could talk about it in terms of autonomy. How do you let your three-year-old experience autonomy versus how do you let your 12-year-old experience autonomy? Big difference. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. My family and I went on a vacation this summer that had dinner included, like a three-course dinner included with our rate. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, and my kids are 10 and 15, I will tell you that when we were there, it was super awesome because it was like everyone go through the menu. There was no kids menu either. Go through the menu and figure out what you'd like. It'll be well-prepared and enjoy it. And they all got into it and my 10-year-old slams his menu down on the table and is ordering really adventurous things. Mm -hmm. And it was a really positive experience. Yeah. With that said, I assure you up until they got to that point, I had to help them navigate that. Yeah. So I guess it's not all or nothing. Right. It's that gradual, more and more independence. And I think that there was a point where I finally just started saying to my kids, what will everyone have? Yep. Like a waiter, as opposed to, okay, now what are you going to order? And what do you feel like? You can have this or this. Right. Because I did start there. Sure. Well, and I think one way to think about it is that when your children are little, think about it as the development of autonomy, not the granting of autonomy. Ooh, exactly. So the development of autonomy is giving your child choices where it's appropriate to give them choices. Because sometimes when people listen to me and they move into Lynn is freaking me out stage, what people hear is that I am advocating for an all or nothing approach. So if I say, oh, we have to allow our children to develop autonomy so they should be able to do whatever they want. That is not what I'm saying. Right. I am saying Autonomy is looking for opportunities to develop the ability 
to make choices or to express yourself in ways that are appropriate. So another example we might think about that is with clothing. Yes. You want your child to be able to pick out their own clothes and to wear what they want to wear, but not all the time in every situation. If you are a mom who's trying to keep your calendar organized, keep your family's appointments where they need to be, then I'll tell you, the Skylight Calendar is a product that you ought to check out. You know how it is. Running a household can be pure chaos and it can be so stressful. This is why you need to check out the Skylight Calendar. It is going to make your life easier, mom. It really is. The Skylight Calendar is a smart touchscreen calendar and organizer for all your chores, groceries, to-do lists and a great way to manage appointments to make sure they never overlap and they're never missed. It helps keep busy households on track so families can get time back for moments that really matter. The Skylight Calendar is so easy to use and to set up. It's not going to frustrate you. You're going to be able to get it going within minutes. It syncs events from other family calendars, including Google, Apple, Outlook, you can add events directly using the touch screen or with the free Skylight mobile app. Updates to linked calendars will automatically appear on the Skylight calendar at home. So no more worrying that you guys are going to forget something. No more cluttered paper calendars. It shows all family events together in one spot. The events are color coded so you can easily see what everyone has going on each week. When the calendar's not in use, you can turn it into a digital picture frame. It's 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't love the Skylight calendar, you'll receive a full refund. They offer a 120-day money-back guarantee and free returns. You can't beat it. I think the feature that I love most is the collaborative way we can all add to the grocery list. And then when I'm ready to place an online order, whether I'm at home or my office, I have that list and there's no more items that we forget. So as a special time-limited offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash flusterclucks. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash flusterclucks. Mother's Day is coming right up, so order today to get 15% off your purchase at skylightcal.com slash flusterclucks. I really have to pay attention to hydrating properly. I work out a lot. I talk all the time, as you know. I am pretty active and I don't drink enough water. So I'm constantly thinking about how it is that I am going to hydrate in the best way possible. And I'll tell you, if my water has a little bit of flavor, it's so much easier for me. And if I can get those electrolytes, if I can get more bang for my buck, it's just so much better. I have been using liquid IV. I put it into a huge glass. I put it into the refrigerator. It's cold. It's very tasty. I've been putting it in my water bottle when I go to the gym. The packaging is so convenient. I actually look forward to drinking it, which is not something that comes naturally to me. I love the lemon-lime flavor. They've got a sugar-free option that is really great. So I think 
that if you're somebody like me that has a difficult time getting in the amount of hydration that you need for your body, Liquid IV is a great option. One stick, 16 ounces of water, it hydrates better than water alone. It's got three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, and it doesn't have all that sugar. It doesn't have artificial sweeteners. Eight vitamins and nutrients just for your everyday wellness. It's non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. However you hydrate, grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier, sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco, or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code FLUSTER at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code FLUSTER at liquidiv.com. So say you want to give your child the opportunity to pick what they want to wear and wear what they want to wear, but you also want to help them recognize that there are certain choices that you make in some arenas and other choices that you make in other arenas. So for example, if you're going to a formal event with your family, like maybe you're going to somebody's wedding or a baby shower or a bar mitzvah or something like that, you want your child to know they can't wear their ratty jeans and their ACDC t-shirt because we're going to wear something more appropriate for the event. But within that context or within the context of this is a formal event, I want you to have some autonomy in picking out your clothes based on this formal event. And then there are going to be other opportunities where it really doesn't matter at all what you wear. So you let them wear what they want. I'll give you a minor example is that it's really okay if your four-year-old picks out socks that don't match. It really is okay if your five-year-old comes down and has decided that they want to wear their t-shirt inside out for some reason. It really is okay if your 13-year-old decides that she wants to dye a section of her hair blue because she's going to a Taylor Swift concert and she thinks that that would look fun. So being able to provide autonomy within an appropriate social context, having them be able to say, these are the bigger picture rules that I have to follow. And within this bigger picture rule, I'm going to give you some choice. If we go back to the restaurant example, if you go to a restaurant and you're, you say to your nine-year-old, well, you can order whatever you want. And they say, I'll have a chocolate sundae and some cheesecake for dessert. You're going to say, okay, so we have some rules about this, right? You have to have grow food before treat food or however you put it. You want to create room within the structure. And when parents are really controlling, there's not a lot of room. It gets tighter and tighter and tighter. When you bring up the clothing thing, that really hits home because there are so many mothers in particular where they need to listen to the perfectionism mm -hmm. episode. Mm -hmm. But when, think of the mothers who really care about their children's appearances. Yeah. And they create beautiful results. And my mom was one of those. Mm -hmm. Like I was dressed I'm a child of the 70s, so I had the bows and the Florence Eisman smock dresses. I was dressed like that all the time. I don't know what that is. <laughs> but that's okay. I had Laura Ashley dresses. Is that similar? Well, yeah, they, those dresses came later. I'm talking oh. about like, here I am as a little toddler. Oh. 
wearing those little smocked dresses and tights and Mary Janes and my hair was like, like my mom gave me like blowouts, you know, when I was like <laughs> two or three. <laughs> so that's what I mean. Like I had that kind of mom. Yeah. And she was externally praised, socially praised for those results mm-hmm. of denying me that autonomy, actually. Right. And there's an underbelly to that parenting practice. Yeah. Tell us. That's exactly, you're, you're hitting it right on the head, is that the hard part about giving your child autonomy is that you sometimes will get judgment from other people based on that choice. So an example would be letting a boy grow their hair long. You know, some people are going to go, oh gosh, look at that. What you want to do when you're creating autonomy in a child You're allowing them to express their opinion about something, and you're giving them space in the situations and in the places where space is allowed, and it is oftentimes not going to be exactly how you want it to be. That's the hard part about granting autonomy, and that's why parental control is the opposite of that, because you're looking for approval, you're looking to fit in, you're looking to escape from parental judgment. And oftentimes, granting your child autonomy is the opposite of that. It makes you feel very vulnerable as a parent because people are going to judge you. And that's oftentimes why people don't do it, because they want to fit in. So it's interesting, too, if you are raised that the way you look and the choices you make in terms of your appearance or the car you drive or how your hair is, if all of those in your family gave you a sense of fitting in, of approval. It met that perfectionistic quota. It's hard for you then as a parent to step into this arena and tolerate the judgment or tolerate the looseness that you'll feel when it was really about how do I have control? It's very tricky for a lot of parents. And also, oftentimes you feel like you're you're saving your child from judgment. Right. So if you just wear this, then you won't be judged. If you just do it this way, I'll protect you from judgment. If you let your hair grow this way, people are going to judge you. If you choose to engage in this activity that's not the mainstream activity, then people are going to judge you. It's really about protection. It's really about not wanting your children to step in to things that feel messy or uncomfortable. That's oftentimes why we restrict autonomy, because we're trying to protect ourselves and we're trying to protect our children, it just backfires because they don't learn the ability to make those decisions or choices on their own. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I I don't know what else to say. I mean, I think that this is a fascinating aspect of parenting where you will be socially rewarded for doing something that will be mentally damaging. Well, that's the achievement culture right there. But it's also the perfection culture too. Yeah, that's the whole thing of when you grant somebody autonomy, you are letting go. And that is really hard. That is really hard. I am married to a person who was given very little autonomy as a young child. And He didn't fall into the perfectionist culture in a lot of ways, particularly in terms of his appearance. He rebelled. I remember, I'll tell you this little story. We were early on in our relationship and we were going to a wedding together, his family, friends getting married. 
I didn't say a thing about it because I thought, you know, like, well, people know what they wear to weddings. And he, out of the blue, unprompted, turned to me and said, if you're going to tell me what I have to wear to this wedding, then you don't have to come with me. And I thought to myself, okay, he's not talking to me here, right? This is something else. He was so restricted in the way he had his hair and what he was supposed to wear that the result of that is a man now who has cut his own hair since the age of 17, by the way, and he's terrible at cutting his hair. But what you can see play out is he never got the opportunity to express his opinions, to have a conversation with his parents about what worked and what didn't work. And the result has been a really long-standing issue with anybody telling him what he's going to wear, how he's going to look. I saw it when I was 17 years old when I met him. He was little. His mom tried to make him wear Bermuda shorts, you know, those little gray flannel Bermuda shorts. Sure. He found a pair of scissors and he cut holes in them. Mm. And she lost her mind. And it's been lost ever since. So being able to recognize what happens when you step in and don't allow your child that ability to make those decisions within the parameters that you want to put around it, of course. But if you are someone who has really strict rules about what they can and can't do, what they can and can't say, what they can and can't wear, that's going to come back to bite you. And you're either going to create a perfectionist that has a really hard time making those decisions somebody who doesn't feel capable of establishing their own autonomy in a lot of ways, or you're going to create somebody who's going to rebel very strongly about that, and then you're going to have to deal with that. And it can go either way, depending on the dynamics and depending on the personality of your child. But we're looking for that big sweet spot. I talk about the big sweet spot. The other thing about autonomy, like, so we're talking about concrete things. We're talking about clothing or ordering in a restaurant or what activities they participate in. If you have older kids, there's a really, really important part of this autonomy thing, which is a bigger issue, a social issue that I think I'd love to tell you about. We talked about this in Anxious Kids, Anxious Parents. I'm just going to tell you what we learned as we were doing research for this book. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. 
Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. There was a a study that was done a few years ago, in 2012, actually, by a guy named Joseph Allen. And he was looking at the development of autonomy in kids. And what he found, which was really fascinating, continues to be really fascinating, is that in kids that weren't allowed to express their opinions to their parents, so kids that weren't allowed to disagree with their parents, kids that weren't allowed to say, I think that's a bad idea, kids that weren't allowed to push back at all, those kids had a harder time standing up to their peers when they were adolescents. So the flip side of that is kids that, that were taught how to say no, how to disagree, how to push back a little bit, how to have debates in a respectful way. Those kids did better when they were in situations where peers were pressuring them to use drugs. So think about that for a minute. The more practice that you give your child saying no, the more practice that you give your child being able to express their opinions and to stand firm or to be clear about what they like or don't like, those kids were able to say no to drugs and alcohol. That's a really, really important skill that you want your kids to have. It doesn't mean that they are disrespectful. In fact, quite the opposite. You want to teach them to disagree in a respectful way. You want to teach them how to argue their point. You want to teach them to be able to have an opinion and let people know what that opinion is. And you are giving them a skill that will protect them from peer pressure. That's pretty key, I think. Yeah. An example of an adult son and mother that's fictional, but like a really bad example if for people who watched Arrested Development <laughs> would be Lucille and Buster. Yeah. Like Buster telling his mom no wasn't going to happen. Nope. So he was like a grown man dressed in sailor costumes and the mom, <laughs> you know, the mom and son pageants. I mean, that's an extreme. But one of the things I think I'd love to hear you talk about So there are parents who are listening who are saying, okay, maybe I am doing a little bit of this control, but, and they're holding on to the reasons why, because of fear of rejection, fitting in, et cetera. But let's talk about the fact that this is coming from their own place of anxiety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's fear. It's a fear of a lot of things. It's fear of rejection. It's fear of being a bad parent. It's fear of your child having some sort of distress, right? I mean, the hardest thing about being a parent is letting your child do something where you know that the potential outcome is that they could be hurt. And I don't mean physically hurt, although that's included in this, where they could be rejected, where they could take a risk. You know, I remember talking to a family not so long ago, where the child was going to try out for a sports team. And the dad was really worried because the child hadn't done the work to be ready to try out for the team. The child hadn't trained. The child hadn't run the sprints that they were supposed to run. The child hadn't done the things that the dad thought the child should do to be ready for the tryouts. And to let the child then try out 
was really, really hard for the dad, was really hard because he was pretty sure that the child was not going to make the team. And that's what happened. And the child was really sad. And the dad had to resist the impulse to say, I told you so. But it did open a conversation where the parent could say, you know, I didn't want to be really controlling about how you were training or I let you know what the expectations were. The coach let you know what the expectations were. But I let you figure this out on your own. Let's think about that. So it was a learning opportunity, but the dad absolutely wanted to get in there and make sure that everything went okay. You know, he didn't want his kid to get caught and his kid did. And his kid was really sad. Remember that anxiety wants to eliminate risk. It wants to eliminate uncertainty. It wants to eliminate bad outcomes, right? It's all about making sure that everything goes as planned and to make sure that you as a parent aren't responsible for some sort of pain or distress that your child is feeling. And this is why when we talk about doing the opposite of what anxiety wants, it's really hard because the opposite of what anxiety wants are the things that feel really uncomfortable for us as parents, right? We have to let them go out there, let them order the food that maybe they won't like, let them wear the clothes that maybe you're like, oh my God, that does not look good. Yeah. The autonomy scale of your kid has a lot to say about you and what you need to work on as well as a parent. Right. And again, let me emphasize that I am not advocating for going way over to the other side because there are some parenting approaches that say, well, your child should be able to make every decision for themselves. Your child should be able to decide what their bedtime is. Your child should be able to decide what they eat. But creating autonomy doesn't mean that you let them do whatever they want. Creating autonomy means that you help them develop the skill of being able to make good decisions, which is why we're going to talk about problem solving later on, because that's where this is heading. So it's not letting your kid do whatever your kid wants. It's being able to have them differentiate between where can I have more freedom and where can I have, where do I have to impose some control? It's not an all or nothing thing. Because I know you've had perfectionist parents who fit that mold, you know, in your practice, for example. They don't want to give up that control. No, it feels really scary. They don't want to give up that control. And one of the things, this is interesting. Because generationally, this is what happens, is that parents will say to me, this is the way that I was raised and I turned out very well, or this is the way that my parents were able to guide me and I am very successful. So they're using themselves as a model of the benefits of parental control. And that can be a hard thing to undo because they don't want to look at what they're doing and they have a hard time sometimes questioning what can be a generational pattern of control, 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 control. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, I, I like tennis, so I've been watching the U.S. Open. And one of the things I, I listen to and I pay attention to is when a parent is the primary coach. I just wonder about that oftentimes is how do those families where you've got a kid who is making sometimes millions of dollars and the parent is the coach, it just makes me wonder, where is the autonomy in this relationship? I'm always listening for that. 
Is there? I mean, that's a pretty tricky minefield to navigate. Yeah, I don't know. I certainly, there are plenty of stories where it has gone badly. Sometimes when you listen to the commentators, like if you listen to Chris Everett as they're talking about the family, you can hear them walking delicately around that issue. When the player gets older, sometimes they're talking about it and they're very, they're much more open about the problem between the parent and the child. They usually don't talk about that until the player is probably into their 20s. Oftentimes, there are these teen phenoms, and the parent has been the coach. It's interesting. I don't know how much autonomy is there. I don't want to be negative, but I have a question for you, too. Because when I think of the parents who definitely have a harder time encouraging autonomy because they have really strong control patterns... And if they've already been given a lot of external validation for the impact of those patterns, like, well, why wouldn't I want my daughter in the finals of the U.S. Open? Why Mm -hmm. wouldn't I want my kids to be dressed like family portrait day? Why wouldn't they? Like, tell us some trajectories if we're not careful. So the potential downsides are pretty significant. As I said, When we look at parental control, that's one of the huge predictors. That's a risk factor of developing an anxiety disorder as a child moves through their life, particularly as they get up into the tween years and and adolescence. So the downside of not allowing your child to have that room is that they don't get to work their autonomy muscle. So think of it in that way, is that you really want your child at the age of three, at the age of six, at the age of 12, at the age of 17, to be able to work that autonomy muscle, which means that they begin to think about what their opinions are. They begin to have some room to experiment in healthy ways, right? Age-appropriate ways that they begin to figure out who they are, what are the connections they want to make, who are the people or the interests that really bring them joy and connection. If you don't allow a child to work that autonomy muscle so that they don't have a sense of who they are, they don't express their opinions, they don't know how to recognize when they're doing something that doesn't work for them, that's the risk of anxiety and depression as they move into adulthood. If they're constantly looking for approval, if they're doing things based on what they think they should do, either to please you or to please other people, It's going to restrict their emotional well-being. And what it always comes down to for me, it's going to restrict and get in the way having really genuine, wonderful, vulnerable connections with people. That's what we want to make sure because connection is where it's at. And being able to feel as if you find your people, you have your tribe, you have the group of people that love and support you. If it's all about doing what you should do, and feeling scared to take any kind of risk because you don't know who you are, that's when it becomes problematic. Can I just give my recommendation as we're talking about all of these things? Because people, you have to watch Ted Lasso. We just started it last night. You did? I'm so excited. It's so uh, good. I don't. I know we were so late to the party because we had other shows. I know, but it's so it's so great. I'm watching season two now because I watch every episode as it comes out. And... Last night's episode. No spoilers. I won't spoil anything. But the way 
that, and Jason Sudeikis is writing this, he's creating this, the way that they are talking about connection, the way that they are talking about vulnerability, the way that they are showing it between men is just amazing. One of my sons is not watching it yet, and I keep harassing him about it. My other son is watching the episodes as I'm watching it. So last night, as I'm watching the episode, I text him and I say, Ted Lasso. And he says, oh, I forgot to watch. And then he's watching it and he texts me back because they're only like a half an hour long. He texts me back. So, so, so good, right? This is my 21-year-old son watching these episodes that are so much about connection. The way they are addressing men and issues and friendships, it's just, it's just amazing. Just watch it. Please watch it. So good. Yeah, there would be no Ted Lasso without Fred Rogers. I love how it's a, a wonderful extension Yeah, of that. Yeah, after the first episode, I said, okay, I know where this is going and I can't wait. It's so, so good. So I loved, of course, the Tom Hanks portrayal. To me, what was the best part of that film was, was actually watching the journalist transform in the presence of authentic connection. Mm-hmm. And so in Ted Lasso, it's just wonderful of just seeing all of these facades and exteriors shift in the presence of real connection. It's so life-changing. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It just gets better and better. I'm so happy you started watching it. I'm just going to keep bugging you. When I'm done with the season, I'm going to go back and watch the whole thing again from season one. We're almost done with season one. Oh, you are? We watched a lot. Oh, all right. Good, good, good. It's so good. It's so good. I just get, I get verklempt at every episode. There's something that makes me verklempt. So join the Facebook group so that you can ask Lynn your question on an upcoming episode. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Fluster Clucks. Bye, Robin. Bye, Lynn. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.